0: If you're consuming too much media, if you're consuming people you're jealous of on social media, if you're comparing yourself, start unfollowing those people, stop watching media. If if it means you're gonna sit down and write your book at the table at night, instead start doing that. Start doing something that's gonna affect you in a positive way. And I liken that back to fire the villains in your life. I talk a lot about that. It's really important. If you have negative people in your life, you need to fire those villains. But the villain can sometimes be the media you're consuming or the social media, or it can be yourself and that self.
1: I'm Doug Bopes, personal trainer, best-selling author and entrepreneur, and I'm on a mission to help others become the best version of themselves. So I'd like to welcome you to the Adversity Advantage podcast, where we will help you use obstacles, failures and setbacks to give you that edge needed for success. I'll be interviewing people from all walks of life on how they overcame trials and turned them into triumphs. So please sit back, relax, and get ready to be absolutely blown away by some of the wisdom and stories you're about to hear. Welcome back to another episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bopes, and today I have an extremely special guest who has completely blown my mind and what she has been able to accomplish since leaving the corporate world. Her name is Mm -hmm. Heather Monahan. She's a best-selling author, keynote speaker, entrepreneur, and founder of Boss in Heels. And what's really fascinating about her, and it's something that's really cool, I think, is that her book, uh, The Confidence Creator, um, trumped Donald Trump's book on (laughs) the (laughs) best-selling list. And it's just extremely fascinating to me because – you know, we all have these wins in life that we're like, you know, like I have this that I'll be able to remember forever, no matter and no matter what your view on Donald Trump is. But the fact yeah. of the matter is this this is something that's extremely cool to be able to share that's like, oh, like my books sold more than the president of the United States. Like beat that, right? So Heather, welcome. You, you, to- you know
0: what? Well, thanks for having me. But I have to tell you, I have to demystify this a little bit for you. It's so – it's just business, right? It's strategy. Yeah. And so when I just – if I'm going to do anything, I'm going to do it big. And when I decided I was going to write a book, I – I, I needed speed to market because I had just been fired and I needed a product to sell to drive revenue for me. And that's how, why I decided to come up with the book, write the book, self-publish. When you self-publish, you really can't get New York Times bestseller list because you have to be in so many brick and mortar store. It's all a scam. So I said, all right, if I can't have that title, I need another title. <laughs> now, I, I didn't go out with the intention of trumping the president. However, it was pretty exciting when I got that screenshot. I was really excited.
1: Yeah, you're right. And I can definitely relate to somebody who's self-published, too, that like it's really um, it's really hard to sell books when you because, I mean, people like when they go through traditional publishers, they have the whole PR firm from the publisher. If they yeah. get a big one, they have like that advance that helps them like be at peace with like being like, you know, at least I got some money out of this. But when you self-publish, it's like blood, sweat and tears, hardcore, like hustling, hustling, hustling. And then, like, so I I mean, I know you're obviously your book is all about confidence, and you're all about confidence. But then it's like there's a lot of ego within us to be like, all right, like, where's my book at? Like, how many pop copies (laughs) have I sold? Like, why is that? Why do they have more reviews? Like, and it's 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 tough to like kind of like not fall in the comparison trap when you're in that self published space, right? So, what I want to ask you is like. So your M.O. is all about confidence, and I know your confidence was shattered, right, when you left the corporate world. You're, you made C-suite, and the CEO's daughter comes in and says, you know what, I don't care if you've been the most successful person we've had in the company. I don't care if you've doubled our revenue. Like, you're out. Right. So how did you rebuild the confidence within yourself from that moment to, like, where you are today?
0: Oh, my gosh, it's been a bumpy ride. You know, that's especially while we're living in these strange times right now, quarantine and everything is uncertain. I really relate a lot of it back to it sounds weird to some people, but to getting fired. For me, that was really similar because I I would look to my future and I used to feel like I was in this well-lit corridor where it was very linear and I could see what was happening next that's not real. But in my mind, it was real. And suddenly, the floor dropped out. I didn't know where I was going. I didn't know how to make money. I didn't know what was going to happen next. And that uncertainty is a similar sense to what we're living in now. So for me, It's kind of like, I've seen this movie before. I know it's going to turn out okay. I know it's going to be a lot of work. I know it's going to be hard. I know there's going to be tremendous adversity. I'm not saying it's easy, but I know it's going to be okay. So it's sort of a weird sense of security now that I get from that horrible situation at the time. I mean, at the time... I was having panic attacks and crying, you know, like a baby. And I went under a weighted blanket for a day and I was bombing Chardonnay. Like there was no tomorrow. I, I mean, I really, I was borderline depressed. I didn't know what to do. I'd let that go on for about 24 hours. And then I'm a pretty resilient person. I'm a very hard worker. So I basically said at 24 hours, okay, this isn't advancing me anywhere. So I'm ripping the band-aid off and I decided I kind of related it back to getting divorced. If nobody knows I'm single, no one will ask me on a date. If no one knows I've been fired, no one's going to give me an opportunity. So I decided to go on social media and post about getting fired. And I put a post up that basically said after 14 years of leadership and continuous advancement, I was just fired and it feels horrible horrible. If I've ever touched you in any way, I really need to hear from you today. And I, that post went viral and so many people reached out to me with opportunity and connection. And one of the things I've learned along the way is when you ask someone for something and they stand up and say, I'd like to do something for you. Capitalize in the moment. Mm-hmm. Don't put it on a back burner and say, Oh, I'll go back and sure. I'll circle back with you in a few weeks. Their life is going to move on. And so I learned right that in that moment, capitalize, convert, And so Froggy from The Elvis Duran Show tweeted at me, hey, Heather, I would love to help you any way I can. And I tweeted right back, great, get me on the show. And so he got me on the show, and I went on The Elvis Duran Show not knowing what I was gonna talk about, but only knowing I'd reach a broader audience. And if you reach more people, there's more opportunity that could arise out of that. So halfway through the interview, he says to me, well, Heather, obviously you're writing a book. And I said, well, obviously but I wasn't, you know, I had (laughs) never thought that I would write a book. I wasn't the smart one in my family. I was the sales and marketing, you know, leadership one. And that's where I thought I belonged. So I got on the plane and I Googled, how do you write a book? And it basically says, you just have to write X amount of hours a day. So I thought, okay, I'm fired. I have time. I can do that. So I did that. And then the next thing I did is I found an editor and then within a couple months, I had my first draft of my book and it was just a surreal experience.
1: Gosh, what a story. And like, you know, power to you for going to social media in a place that's very hard to be vulnerable, right? I think so many people, are po- they post their highlight reels, they're not posting the darkness of themselves, the struggle, which by the way, most people relate to that side. It's always like, you know, as people I coach, in the entrepreneur world, they're like, how do I get, you know, more clients? How do I get more customers? I'm like, well, start sharing like your struggles, like, cause no one's the people you're trying to get are going to relate to the struggles. So for you to post like that and be very vulnerable and say like, that's a hard thing to admit. I just got fired. Like, please like this, but you also took like a proactive approach and were like after 14 years of advancement and leadership, you know, I got fired so that Pete, you had some credibility. It wasn't like, yeah, I didn't show up to work the last three months and they fired me, you know, you know, I need a job. And the one thing I want to say is you kind of took the ready fire, um, the ready, um, you know, fire aim approach to the book, which I think so many people need to do because I'm sure you get the same question as I get, how did you write a book? What's it take? How much time, all this stuff, like just write, like people ask like what my system was for writing a book. And I was like, (laughs) literally, I literally, I would take time every day, um, after training my clients. And I would sit on my computer for like a couple hours and I would just brain dump on a computer. And some days I'd write for two hours. Some days I'd write three. Some days I'd write for 20 minutes. And then it was just like this messy process that you have. You have, And then you learn like obviously in my second book and my third, like it was different because I was able to like fine tune it and stuff. But if you have never written a book, the best thing to do is just to write the book. Right? Would you agree?
0: Absolutely. Yeah, there, there's no need for overthinking any of it.
1: Yeah. And I think like the thing too, that really sticks out with, with what you said is that your confidence within yourself today stems from your moments of biggest adversity. It stems from being fired. It stems from the divorce. It stems from even being like right now, like I'm sure just like everybody else, um, that you're learning lessons about you. You're learning things. You're, you're like, all right, like there's some things I maybe need to work on. There's some things I need to improve on. Like, um, there's some things I'm really proud of myself for that's building your confidence. So I would say there's a lot of people out there that freaking struggle with confidence. I was one of them. As we talked about before we recorded my lack of confidence in myself, led me down this rabbit hole of horrific drug addiction and selling drugs. So what would you say if there's like a, a few like small wins people can get to help help them build their confidence? Like, what would you say they are?
0: Sure. So especially, you know, in this time that we're in right now, if you're consuming too much media, if you're consuming people you're jealous of on social media, if you're comparing yourself, start unfollowing those people. Stop watching media. If if it means you're gonna sit down and write your book at the table at night, instead, start doing that. Start doing something that's gonna affect you in a positive way. And I liken that back to fire the villains in your life. I talk a lot about that. It's really important. If you have negative people in your life, you need to fire those villains. But the villain can sometimes be the media you're consuming or the social media, or it can be yourself and that self inner dialogue that you have. So change that inner dialogue. You know, I tell everyone, don't sing happy birthday twice when you wash your hands. Instead, stand there and say, I am thriving in the pandemic. I am confident. I am enough. I am creative. I am smart. All of your I am mantras that you wanna rock and own, every time you wash your hands, do that. What will happen is through frequency, frequency and messaging sells, right? That's my background is in advertising. And the way that you're able to really get a message through to someone is by hearing it seven to eight times in a day. So if you're washing your hands seven or eight times a day and you're running this ad campaign for yourself, you're going to have effectiveness. It's going to work for you. So put your, be really intentional about creating confidence and realize in any moment, you're either creating confidence or chipping away at it. And when you approach it with that simplicity, you know, if I'm, oh, I feel a little nervous to go on a podcast because I didn't wash my hair today. I'm not going to go, I'm going to cancel. You chip away at your confidence versus, you know what, I'm going to go anyways and show up. And then you live through it. And then that's future proof for you to apply to other instances. Hey, I was nervous about this. It worked out. Okay. This one's going to work out too.
1: Gosh. I mean, it's, you, you hit on so many great points that I 100% align with. Number one, the whole villain thing, like you have to really look at the people in your life. Like, and it's not just like the people like immediate, it's like the people you're following on social media. It's like, if you're following people that are just gossiping constantly, they're complaining, they're just saying, woe is me all the time about their life. Like, it might be time to unfollow those people or mute them or whatever whatever you have to do on social media. And then, like, also, like, the comparison trap. If you really find yourself comparing yourself to people on social media constantly, maybe it's the same three or four people, maybe it's the same five – like, unfollow them. You're not tied to follow anybody you want. And then when it comes to, like, the actual like physica- physicality of, like, your inner circle, like – for me, I know something that really shifted my mindset was surrounding myself with people that brought the best out of me unconditionally. People that were like go getters, people that were the dreamers, people that were like doing crazy shit, like that were trying to change the world. Because during times when things are a little dark, because we're all going to have dark times, you know, tend, you your energy around around you, the people like will lift you up, right? And sometimes like our worst villain like you said is ourselves it's that person we see in the mirror and we have to address that person too and especially during like times like right now like where we have the energy a lot of things are coming up and we're putting so much emphasis on the things we can't control like when this quarantine is going to be over or um, what other people are doing on social media that it's because we don't have the courage to look at ourselves and the confidence and be like you know what like i'm not happy with the person i am today doesn't mean that I won't be happy with the person that I am tomorrow doesn't mean that I won't be happier in like three to four weeks and you're right the whole affirmation thing like hello like like instead of singing happy birthday twice like why not like use that time to really like tell yourself who you are and I believe confidence is really made like you said I mean you and I, I say it in a different way by like, doing the things you know you should be doing on a daily basis right because most of the time Like, our lack of confidence in ourselves comes from things that we know we should have done that we didn't do. Whether it was, like, skipping a workout or eating, like, like crap for, like, days at a time or, you know, calling somebody they should – whatever it was, right? So I love what you said about that. Like, so, like, what, like, modalities would you say other than, like, the affirmations, other than, like, just, like, doing things that don't chip away at your confidence – Like, what things do you personally do that keeps, like, your confidence, like, you know, as high as it can be, like, during times of adversity?
0: Yeah. So I just launched a mentoring program, which I had never done before. So anytime you step into fear or unknown, that's a confidence-building moment. So I'm always challenging myself to try to do something new, whether it's pivot my business or pivot me. I, you know, I – I'm such an in-class type person with working out and being a part of a community. So it's, I got the Peloton bike and I'm I'm finding new ways to enjoy working out in my house that are really out of my familiar routine, which is a growth moment, which is a confidence building moment. I'm finding ways to survive and thrive. So that's been really positive. One of the things that I share with the team that I'm working with right now is creating a vision for yourself in 30 days of how you want to see yourself, seeing yourself super confident. If you've been confident in your past, use that image. If you've never been confident, use an image of someone else that you think, wow, I want to channel that person and be that strong, that confident. It's no different than if you're going on a diet. And today you said, I'm going to weigh myself and I weigh 200 pounds and I want to end up weighing 100 pounds at the end of this window. What does that bikini picture look like at the end versus now get that image of what you're going for. And each day you're weighing yourself in. No, you don't necessarily need to get on a scale, but you're checking in with yourself. Am I doing the things today that are creating confidence with me? Am I apologizing to people and blaming myself for things I'm not responsible for? No, I don't do that anymore. Instead, I say thank you to people when they're patient for me and when they wait for me and I show gratitude. I don't blame myself for things anymore. Right? So it's all about what are these steps that you're doing? What are you putting yourself first? Is your workout coming first? Because for me, that's a game changer. Yes. My workout comes first. And my son knows I put him into his room for his first class. And I say, I'm going to ride my bike. Do not cause any problems for one hour. We'll reconvene after that. I've got to put my wellness first so that I can take care of him for the rest of the day. And it's not selfish to put yourself first. It's selfless because then you can be such a stronger person that's so much more happier and supportive for others around you, and they will appreciate it.
1: I love that. And I think one of the things you can that's like a game changer for confidence is doing things that scare you is doing things that you know you should do that scare you, whether it is attending a workout on a Peloton bike when you're scared of, like, group exercise and group fitness and who's going to judge you, who's going to shame you, you know, whether it is, like, you know, saying no to something you know you should say no to, whether it is standing up for yourself when you like, have been a, a person who's been afraid to speak your truth. Because here's the deal, and I, I've, I've talked about this a lot before um, just in my messaging on social media, is you got to, like, choose your suck right? And what I mean by that is to build confidence, you got to do things that suck sometimes and getting up in the morning and committing to workout sucks. Changing your diet to eat more whole foods so that you can feel better sucks. I mean, we all want pizza and ice cream every day, right? You know, changing the people you hang out with so you can feel better about yourself sometimes sucks. But the other side of that is, you know, not losing the weight and having that shame and the what if sucks. Being in a, you know, around people that are bringing you down sucks. So it's like you have a choice like one, you know, if you do the things, you know, you want to be really be doing is going to boost your confidence. The latter chips away at it. Right. So I think confidence is such an an interesting conversation because people get twisted and say, well, if somebody's confident, they have to be egotistical. They got to be arrogant. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no people who are you can tell when someone's got that swagger about and they're confident that they are just not sweating the small stuff they're chasing after their dreams they're and it it's a turn off for some people and it's a turn off for people I believe because they're not confident within themselves and they see somebody else have that confidence and they're like I wish I had that. I mean, do you notice that at all?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that When someone is genuinely confident, it can really be intimidating for others. There are people, and you reference them, that are very insecure, that pretend they're confident, and those are the ones that appear arrogant. I don't believe that there is too much, there's too much of an abundance of confidence, no. There are people who are pretending they're confident and are showing up as arrogant, so I think that's really, really different. But yeah, when someone is truly confident, it can intimidate people because they don't feel so good about themselves.
1: No, you're right, and I think we all project our insecurities onto others and our fears, especially when we're not doing well, and we're seeing that a lot now during this pandemic. I think everybody—it like gets funny. Like people are like asking me, like, if I'm stressed, or I'm like I'm like, yeah. I mean, if, if people are telling you that you're not that their stress levels haven't been increased or their life hasn't been adjusted, <laughs> uh, I don't talk to them ever again because they're a pathological <laughs> liar <laughs> or they don't have a pulse. Like, cause we nobody's ever gone through this before, so um i think right now more than ever we're we're all having to adjust we're all finding out things we need to work on and this is where i think it really comes back to personal development and self-development and how powerful it is i mean i've joined masterminds through the years i'm committed to you know, reading and listening to books on a daily basis you know doing stuff like this which challenges me right speaking to somebody like yourself what kind of things do you do for personal development to keep like your like the fire going inside of you i mean are you involved in different like communities are you what kind of books do you listen to? Like what do you kind of do to kind of boost that for yourself?
0: Well, I being a podcaster, I'm this is May 15th will be one year for me as a podcaster. So that's new for me. And what I do is I read the person's book that I'm interviewing each time I bring someone on my show. So I'm reading more books now than I ever have before, which is super interesting. And then I get to learn a lot, you know, through the interviewing process. But I'd say more than that, what what's been the biggest confidence building action I've been taking since I got fired is I keep reinventing my business and myself. You know, I, I reinvented myself as an author, then I reinvented myself as a public speaker, then I reinvented myself as a podcaster, then I reinvented myself as a TEDx speaker, then I reinvented myself now as a mentoring, you know, program. Then I reinvented myself as a virtual speaker. I didn't know what any of these things were. You know, I just keep stepping into that fear and I've decided to see fear as a green light that means go and go faster. And now you know I've this program without having the website up without having the marketing materials because speed to market was important and I just go and I get I drop the excuses and just move forward recognizing that oh shoot I didn't charge enough oh shoot I gave way too much of myself in this and I forgive myself and recognize I'm not perfect but I'm still proud I did it and next month I'll do it better and next month I'm gonna improve it and and next month the site will be up and I'll keep refining and evolving along the way it's not about one and done. It's about, I'm going to keep tweaking things as I go along and make them work for me and work for my clients.
1: Yeah. You, you brought up something that's extremely valuable and important for people to hear. And that is like, you build off your successes, right? I believe like the way you continue to evolve as a person is you, it's, it's a, it's a growing and building process. And like, you're like, all right, what's next? Okay. I can, you know, write a book. All right. What's next? I'm going to become a TEDx speaker. Like what's next? I'm going to start a podcast. And that's kind of the way that I've kind of lived my life, too. It's like, all right, like I beat drug addiction. So what's next? Oh, I can write a book to tell about Well, what's next. I'm going to rediscover my, my spirituality. Oh, what's And then you just keep going. And then it's like, oh, like I've been able to get on the today. Like, what's next? And you just keep like go. And then uh, sure enough, you look back. And the reason that we have been successful, um, not and I say we, I mean a lot of the people that I know and that I surround myself with, because they've just stacked small wins over a period of years and they've continued to rediscover and reinvent themselves by doing things that help them grow and they push the excuses to the side because it's so easy in life to have excuses it's so easy when you're going through adversity it's so easy right now for people like to just say oh well, it's the coronavirus so that's why I'm not making money or that's why I'm just too stressed out because of what's going on in the news it's just an excuse because we're all in the same situation. We all have the same you know, things going on. It's just a matter of how we're dealing with it and responding to it. And it's funny, you know, um, as we're recording right now, like two days ago was 12 years um, since I got arrested. On, I got arrested Cinco de Mayo 2008, and it's a lot of self-reflection comes back during that time. And I think about the person that I was back then, and I was that victim. I was that person blaming my parents. I mean, I I can't. I grew up in a divorced home, so my parents got divorced when I was five. Um, I was blame, I was abused um, a lot throughout my life, so I, I was blaming that. I was blaming being bullied in school. I was blaming like all these things that, as much as it, it felt good to push the responsibility for myself onto the universe or other people, got me into jail because then I just wasn't taking responsibility for my actions. And I thought, just because... I went through all that stuff that it gave me a right to use drugs and lie to people and break the law every day. And then when I got to jail, I realized, like, huh, like there's no more drugs, no more masks to wear. So it's on me to ditch these excuses. So I I just wanted to kind of share my my insight on that because I've been there and I get it. And as somebody who is a go getter like yourself, I understand how hard it can be to get through these excuses. I remember I mean I don't I don't know if you're anything like me before I started my podcast there was this like imposter syndrome. Like oh my gosh, like how am I going to I got to start the podcast? How is mine going to be different? How am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? And it was just excuse after excuse after excuse and it was just draining my confidence because I'm like all right, I'm not speaking my truth. I'm settling and I'm not impacting people like I want to. So Uh, I I mean, I just wanted to say like everything you've kind of you've gone through to now where you are now. It's incredibly inspiring because I just know that you you put yourself out there and get after it, like as a speaker, like you went to like the top agency. You're like, you know what? I'm not going to settle for like the local like, you know, Jane Doe, like county, like, you know, Toastmasters. I'm going to like the top level. Um, so I like, talk about like, where's that mindset come from you, come from you? Is it like, is it is something that you were like kind of taught as a kid Did you learn it in the corporate world, like where you just go after like what you want and you don't stop until you kind of just kind of get it. You know what I mean?
0: it's definitely from growing up poor. There's no doubt, you know, having been on food stamps and whatnot, I hated that struggle. I hated how that felt. And, you know, I started working when I was nine or 10 with the paper route and then started bussing tables and working at fast food restaurants. I just always wanted to drive revenue so that, you know, revenue solves all problems is kind of the way I always saw it. As long as I don't have to struggle like that again. And when that's how you grow up and you've seen it listen it makes you scrappy because you know you can survive it again if you have to because you've already survived it once before however you also know there's solutions to not end up there and if it was ever going to come back to me just putting the work in that was just done done and done it was never a question and it's funny a friend of mine called me today and and she's going through a tough time with job transition through quarantine and she said you know I think I'm just going to start my own company she's been working in corporate environment. And I said, listen, I got to tell you something. It is a lot harder than you think. And she's, you know, cause sometimes people see you on the outside and just think like, Oh yeah, I'll do that too. And she said, yeah, but I don't need to be as successful as you are with it. I could just you know, do it at a, at my own pace. And I said, "Hang on. <laughs> if you want a company to get off the ground, you have to understand to even get it off the ground. Those first couple of years are a grind. It isn't like business just gonna fall into your lap and you can kind of relax." And and it was just very eye opening to me that even though someone might not have the same goals or or you know want to make as much revenue or, or income that I might want to be chasing after there's still work that goes into a baseline of just having a a sustainable business that I don't know that people recognize. So yeah, it definitely, you need to think long and hard before you decide to make that leap.
1: Yeah. I mean, gosh, you're, you're so, you're so right on so many levels there because I think, you know, I think I heard Gary Vee, um, say something and, regardless of anyone's opinion of him, I know he's kind of like a love-hate guy, you know? Like, people either love him or they hate him. I actually, I mean, I like him a lot just because of what he kind of stands for, and he's very, like, real, I think, in his his communication. he said, you know, this this pandemic's going to expose a lot of fake entrepreneurs, and he meant that with, like, love. He's like, you're going to see now, like, what it's really like to be an entrepreneur. Like, that when, like, your back's against the wall and the economy's struggling and you got to constantly reinvent yourself and create and, and create and create, like, who's the... Who's the entrepreneur? And I was reading a book that put this into perspective um, like years ago by Darren Hardy. Um, He wrote the book, um, The Compound Effect. And he also wrote this book called The Entrepreneur Roller Coaster. And he talks about like most people see entrepreneurship when they want to get into it as this like straight up climb where it's like up, success, success, money, money, money. You own the business, you control. It's the best thing ever. And he talks about all the ups and downs and how you better be like, have the backbone and the wherewithal to make it through those downturns because those downturns is where it makes or breaks you it's where businesses fail it's where the mental health issues come because like everybody like wants to be an entrepreneur it's like a buzzword right now right entrepreneur i Mm -hmm. own my own business i work for myself but like you said it's a lot more challenging now especially especially if you're like looking to go into like a brick and mortar business stores are shutting i just saw that I just was reading um, before I got on with you that 16 Nordstrom's retail stores are shutting down Nordstrom's like a retail store that you would think would be untouchable. I always said like when I saw Macy's and stuff closing stores, I was like Nordstrom's has the niche. I love shopping at Nordstrom's because it's high end customer service. They have amazing products and they have a certain clientele that they that that will like a piece to them. Right. And so it just shows that like not every everyone's replaceable. It's some level. And you got to really have that conviction inside of you when you're going into business to know that times are going to be tough. You're going to get smacked in the face a lot. And it's on you to have the confidence, right, to get back up every single time and just know and have that faith that things will work out. Because you have the other, the alternative is like, all right, like I have the fear that it's not. And then... I'm not going to try. And then I can at least blame X, Y, and Z for it. Right. So, you know, one of the things I think people, when they look at somebody like yourself, right, you got a a great podcast, you have an amazing book, you know, you're speaking everywhere. I mean, obviously not during the pandemic, but now, now
0: virtually I am, I, I am. Yeah. It's crazy.
1: Right. You know, you've done a Ted talk, all these things, they would think like life is always good for you. Right, and I, and I know from interviewing a bunch of different people on this show who have had massive success that it's not the case. People, it doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter how much money you make. It doesn't matter how many followers, whatever. People still struggle. It's just how we struggle that, that, or how we get through it that matters. So talk about a time recently pre-COVID that you had some sort of adversity in your life and kind of like how you got through it. Like what were some of the things you did that you kind of like anchored down into that helped you into becoming a better version of yourself?
0: I the first thing that just popped into my mind, I'll just go there because it it showed up for me is my TEDx talk. So, for a year, I had a list of, you know, different things I wanted to accomplish and giving a TED talk was on there and I took out a Google alert on TEDx speakers wanted, and that way I would be able to apply for every um, opportunity that came up. I applied and applied for a year, didn't get any of them. And finally, I reached out to a friend that I knew was on the board or a committee of one of these operations. And I said, "What, what am I doing wrong? Which was a smart decision. And she said, here's what you're doing wrong. Research the person in charge reach out to them on social media, tell them how you're going to help support them, that you have a social media audience that you can spread the message to, that you'll be the easiest speaker to work with, cheerlead them and really make it about them, really sell them on you. And that was great advice and I did that and I got the the opportunity. And then they approved my idea which I was, it was C student to the C suite was my talk originally that I was going to give. And it was about how I was was an average student. I wasn't, my sister wasn't a overachiever, you know, perfect student, but I was just average. However, I made it to the biggest, you know, opportunity that you can make it to in corporate America. And so they said, great. Yeah, we love it. And a month before I'm going to give my talk, they came back and said, no, we've decided we want something sexier, something more sizzle, come up with something better a month before my talk. And I had to really dig deep and I decided to tell that story about me getting fired and you know how I handled it and and how I stood up for myself. And it was really scary because I remember two years ago I would I could barely even verbalize what had happened, you know, when it was very raw. And here I was, I was going to get on the biggest speaker stage there is to share in infamy what happened to me. And I I felt a lot of fear around it. I was doubting if I was doing the right thing. I was wondering if I could get sued. You know, all these crazy ideas came into my mind. But I've seen this movie now because the same thing happened to me when I wrote the book. So I knew that I had those same fears but I ripped the bandaid off and and jumped and it worked and it was okay. And my fears weren't real. And so I was applying that knowledge I learned from this situation to this one, but I was, and and people were asking me, are you sure you should do this? You know, and they're giving me their fears and their limiting beliefs. And I'd thank them for their limiting beliefs and hand them back to them. But it, it makes you start to wonder, I hope I'm right. And I reached out to someone that had given a Ted talk and I shared mine with her. And she looked at me and she said, you can do better than this there's something bigger inside of you. And she's such a cool lady and I knew she meant it well. So I just challenged myself to say, all right, I'm not going to stop working on this. I worked on that talk more than any talk I've ever worked on in my life. And it was only 10 minutes long, right? It's so ridiculous. But I pushed myself from just an hours in, a reps in. You know, you got to put the reps in if you want to build muscle. But I put more reps in on this talk than I've ever done before. And I put signs around my house of, there's a couple of really key takeaways during powerful moments in my speech. And I wrote them out because I'm a very visual person and I had them plastered all over the walls of my condo. My son is like, what is happening in this house? Why is all this crap on the walls? And this was, I just got into this zone that I am gonna kill this speech. I am gonna crush it. And there's no, there's not gonna be any chance that I don't. And then we they had prepped us, oh, you need to be out here at eight in the morning. My speech was at one. And you got to come out at eight in the morning and we're going to do a run through and this and that. So I just put my hair in a ponytail, no makeup on, sweatpants and ran out there. And then when I got there and what why that's important is I wasn't ready. Like for me to get suited up, I put my armor on. Like I, I know the dress I'm wearing. I know how I'm going to feel. I have a, a playlist I listen to. I smell lavender. I have a routine that I get in right before I'm going to get on a big stage or do anything big that calms me down and gets me really pumped up. And I wasn't in that mode. And they yelled to me in front of everyone, Heather, jump up on the stage, because I was the first speaker, give your speech. And I wasn't ready and I freaked and I forgot the entire speech. And this was only a couple hours before I'm giving my real speech. And I jumped off the stage and someone said to me, oh wow, I've only ever seen one other person blow something as bad as you just blew it. And I smiled and I said, that was not helpful. I'm out of here. And I left and I just walked out and I went to go find the woman that does my makeup and I sat with her and I was in tears and I needed to be with people that love me and lift me up and my friends talked me up and said, you remember this time when you thought you were gonna you know, fail and this time. And we went through all these other times in my life and, and it was proof to me that I could do this and I wouldn't forget. And I said, just let me sit and focus for 30 minutes. And I just read my presentation over and over again. And when I got up on that stage, well, right where I was about to walk out, they called my name. And in my head, I thought, don't go out there because if you get out there and you blow it again, but this time on camera and in front of thousands of people, what are you going to do? And I said to myself, if you don't go out there right now, you'll never forgive yourself. But if you go out there and you bomb, I'm always going to be proud of you. And I just closed my eyes and I walked out. And the rest, I don't even really remember. That's how freaking scared I was. It was so surreal, but I did remember what I needed to say. It did end up unbelievable. I killed the speech, but that was one of those moments. Stepping into that red circle was a really scary, scary thing.
1: Yeah. And I I think what you said, I think anybody can take a lesson from that, no matter if they're preparing for a speech, no matter if they're trying to work out for the first time, no matter if they're like writing their book, is that essentially you went out and fell on your face right in the grand scheme of things. I mean, I, obviously the way, um, like your feedback wasn't like what you needed to hear. Right. But it definitely fired you up. Um, after the fact you had the right people around you, you went back to, to get your, into the, you know, proper like inner circle that like lifted you up. Then you came out and killed it. And I think sometimes people need to hear things like that because look, there's going to be times where you're going and trying something and you're not going to succeed the first time. I mean, heck, there's probably, it's probably very much so guaranteed because like we always are comparing our chapter one to somebody else's chapter 25 in all different areas of life. We're like starting our fitness journey and we're comparing ourselves to our trainer. We are writing our first self published book and we're comparing ourselves to, you know, the JK Rowling who wrote Harry Potter. It's like there we're always comparing. And I think that's where the whole confidence thing comes back, right? We all, it's all circles back to that, that you have to be confident in yourself to know and expect that you're gonna fail, you're gonna fall. But every time you fail and fall, you don't, you're not defined by your failures. You're defined by how you respond to those failures, right? And I think every time we fall, it's an opportunity to get us realigned, re re-shifted to our goals, to who we are as a person, and it's like working out, right? Like I was telling somebody this analogy earlier today that the, one of the reasons I love working out is because of the, the analogy it is to life. Like when you're trying to like build bigger biceps, right? Like, you know, you got to really like tear the muscle in your biceps. You got to fail. You got to like really do things till failure so that things can be repaired. Things can be rebuilt. Things can be re, re, rebirthed, right? And the same thing comes with life. You really have to just keep trying and do things until you fail, and keep trying and doing things till you fail, and you keep growing and growing and growing. And so many people are afraid because they don't have the confidence, they don't have the confidence within themselves, to, or then in the humility, to be like, you know what, like, I tried this, I failed, but I'm going to get back up again and I'm going to try again. So I think the way you 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 phrase that was so touching and relatable because. You had every opportunity, every opportunity to say, screw this. I'm never <laughs> speaking again. I'm a failure. I'm a loser. Like, you did, based on the way it happened. Especially something like with public speaking, which people don't know. Like, I, more people are afraid of public speaking than they are of dying. And especially, like, for I, as somebody who has, I've done, a, like, a lot of public speaking, too. I remember last year, um, I spoke to the Clemson football team. And, wow. you know, yeah, I was so nervous because – You know, it was, uh, I I got flown, they flew me in, they paid like all these, this thing. And I like was so intimidated by like people were, they were picking me up to, to, to show for me to the practice facility. And I was meeting like, you know, the coach Dabo Sweeney. And I'm like looking at all these, you know, championships. They were like, you know, the, the the number one college football team in the country, you know, at the time they were, they had won the national championship. And I remember thinking to myself. I'm so scared. I'm so nervous, but I I honestly just, I just knew that God had my back. I just remember like praying and staying in like prayer and in quiet time and knowing that like, I might not know what to say, but, but God will speak through me. And that's kind of what happened was I remember. I just didn't, it didn't, I, I obviously had my PowerPoint and I had, I knew what I wanted to say, but it wasn't like I was pacing back and forth in my hotel, like preparing. I just knew things would flow. And I knew that because there's been times where I have spoken in the past where I fell on my face. I've had people, I had people walk out years ago on my speeches. I had people like be like, wow, you look really nervous. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, well, yeah, I was. So, <laughs> thanks. Uh, so I, I, and the reason I bring this up is not to boast or brag about what like, I'm just sharing from the heart. Like my experience with speaking too, because so many people, they look at somebody like myself, or they look at somebody like you, Who has done some cool things and has done some public speaking and has, you know, gotten some media and written books that, like, we don't struggle or get scared. Like, we still get scared. Like, every time, like, I was interviewing somebody the other day on the show that's, like, a lot smarter than me. I remember telling him after the show, I was like, dude, I was was, like, I was intimidated to interview you. He was like, why? I was like, because you're so much smarter than me. And it's like, that's my ego. And I still struggle with that because I'm, like, in my own head, I'm like, I'm just a trainer. Right. Like, wh- who am I to, to interview somebody who's like in the science space or in this? Like, and so um, that's just an important lesson for people to remember. They're listening to the show that like no matter what, if you want to really get something and go after it, maybe it's like, you know, the weight you never lost or you want to speak or you want to have like a healthy relationship. You got to go after it because it's it, you sitting on your cat on the couch and not doing anything about it is not going to get you there. And not, and not to say that. I'm judging anybody who does that, but I'm saying if, like, you're coming to me and you're saying, I really want to public speak, but your actions aren't aligning with that, then, like, it's on you to really dig deep within yourself and, like, really work on getting the confidence to be able to get back up. So, like, Heather, I wanted to really thank you for coming on. Like, you de- you delivered a lot of value. Um, I mean, not just, like, with, with your approach to confidence, but your story is very amazing and, like, your can-do attitude to get back up no matter how many times you fall is like the epitome of, of adversity. And I just, your, your wisdom and what you shared today was so tangible. And I just want to once again, thank you.
0: Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah. So, um, where can people find out more about you if they want to connect with you? Because I, I guarantee like after listening to this, people are going to want to pick up your book. They're going to want to listen to your show. So where can people find out more about you?
0: Yeah. My website, heathermonahan.com or I'm at Heather Monahan on all social media. You'll find it all there.
1: Awesome. Well, you know, once again, thank you. And for those listening, um, I'm going to plug all of Heather's stuff in the show notes. So that way you'll be able to find out more about her. And um, this is like one thing you're going to want to kind of make sure you're taking notes because she provided a lot of things you can do, like the affirmations or even just the way she handled some of her adversity that can be applied to, to any area of your life. So um, I once again want to thank you all for listening to this episode. If it resonated with you, um, please reach out to Heather. Please, please reach out to myself. Leave us a review. We'd love to hear um, your opinion. And once again, thank you for listening to this episode of The Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bobst, and we will see you next time.